have a music stand, so can I have yours? Thank you. It feels so holy after that song. Will you all join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts gathered here be pleasing to you, for you are our rock and you are our redeemer. Amen. Matthew, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Hear these words as Jesus continues the Sermon on the Mount. Don't judge so that you won't be judged. You'll receive the same judgment you give. Whatever you deal out will be dealt out to you. Why do you see the splinter that's in your brother's or sister's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother or sister, let me take that splinter out of your eye, when there's a log in your own eye? You deceive yourself. First, take the log out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's or sister's eyes. Amen. When was the last time you judged someone? What was the situation? What was it that tempted you to judge that person? Oh, you don't want to share it? (laughs) When was the last time you were judged? How did it make you feel inside? Judgment probably comes almost like a second nature to many of us. It's how we assess the people around us. We take in their physical appearance. We take in their mannerisms or maybe lack of manners. We pay attention to the way they speak and how they carry themselves. Simply put, we judge. We judge and it dictates how we interact with one another. Jesus is asking a really difficult thing here. And it feels even a little more frustrating, at least to me, when Jesus says that we'll receive whatever judgment we give. Because we know judgment is not always tit for tat. Just because we reserve or suspend judgment from someone else doesn't mean that that person will suspend judgment of us. That's the risk of following Jesus. When we are salty, when we are counterculture in the way we act, the world may not respond in fair, or at least what we consider to be fair. And yet, Jesus didn't just preach these words. He actually lived out this kind of life. The one person who could actually probably get away with judging because of the whole fully human, fully God thing. And yet, Jesus, we see time and time again, lean into relationships with the very people the rest of the world look down upon. Where other people saw corruption, promiscuity, blindness, and death, Jesus saw people. Jesus saw Zacchaeus, the woman at the well. Bartimaeus and Lazarus. Jesus washed away the labels the world gave them and told them they were more than how the world judged them. What labels are we holding on to that we need to wash away? I also always find myself interested in this passage, that part where Jesus talks about the speck and the log. It's 
All of this is part of Jesus' larger Sermon on the Mount. And as I look at that, as I think about a splinter in my neighbor's eye and a log in my own eye, I can't help but jump ahead in this scripture. So at the very, very end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus kind of encapsulates it all with this, with this passage. And it's a passage... I'm super familiar with uh, because of the corresponding song I learned as a child at church. See if you know what I'm talking about. Let's jump ahead. Matthew 7, we're going to be at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, verses 24 through 29. Jesus said, everybody who hears these words of mine, meaning the whole Sermon on the Mount, all of it together, and puts them into practice is like a wise builder who built a house on bedrock. The rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew and beat against that house. It didn't fall because it was firmly set on bedrock. The wise man built his house upon a rock. Yeah, no, okay, some of us know that song. Okay, anyways. Uh, Jesus continues, verse 26, but everybody who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice will be like a fool who built a house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew and beat against the house, and the house fell and was completely destroyed. When Jesus finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he was teaching them like someone with authority and not like their legal experts. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. This command at the beginning, the no judging command, really all of the things we've talked about during this sermon series, the be salty, the turn the other cheek, the don't worship wealth, the don't judge today, all of these teachings are meaningless if we don't work to practically apply them in our lives. So not judging sounds straightforward. But how do we actually go about doing so, especially when judging is so second nature to many of us? Jesus gives us the answer. We begin by looking inward. Jesus tells the disciples, don't point out that splinter in your neighbor's eyes when there's a log in your own. In order to see others more clearly, we have to first do the hard work of taking a look at ourselves. We're not talking about judging ourselves harshly. I believe that Jesus wants us to show grace to ourselves just as much as we are to show grace to our neighbors. Instead of judging ourselves harshly, how do we each take a look at ourselves honestly? In what ways are we tending to the needs of our soul? How are we doing the work to be kind people? How are we serving others? How are we leading with love? And in what ways are we really failing? What ways can we do better? These are all questions that can help us take an honest look at ourselves. And if we are truly being the bright, salty people Christ calls each of us to be out in the world. Because when we have moments where we fail to be honest about our own frailties, we risk being critical and hurtful to other people. Hurt people hurt people. It's a very real concept. That quote has a lot of truth to it. 
hurt people hurt people. We have to do work on ourselves before we can even begin to be good neighbors to others. And when we're honest, when we take note on what we can do to be better, then we end up empathizing and relating better with our neighbors. One of my favorite takes on this specific passage about not judging is from someone who argues that the word judge here may not be the best translation for what Jesus is actually saying. Instead, they argue the word condemn is better. And anytime we do condemn someone else, when we condemn, we are making the decision to withhold mercy. And that, withholding mercy, is not what we are called to do. Jesus was all about mercy. Jesus was all about showing compassion and forgiveness to people over and over and over again. It's what he taught. It's how Jesus lived his life. And I am so thankful for Jesus' example. We do not have to be people who condemn It's simply not who we're called to be. We are not placed on this earth to decide who is in and who is out, who is deserving of God's grace and who is not. It's just not our place. Who are we to draw those kinds of lines in the sand? Who are we to assume we know the will of God? Jesus tells his disciples, his closest friends, that if they are to live in community together, if they are to follow him, then they are not to judge. They are not to condemn. It's true for us, too. If we are to follow Jesus, we cannot judge. We cannot condemn. We cannot decide who is in and who is out. And I don't know about all of you, but I thank God that those kind of decisions don't rest with me because I'm impatient, because I do make those gut reactions, because I have not heard everyone's story. I haven't sat at the table with someone and heard about their background and their pain. I don't know every single person in the world. I am so very comfortable allowing the Holy Spirit to work in ways that I may never see, ways that I may never understand. And y'all, that is the beauty of this command. When Jesus calls us to not judge, Jesus frees us of the responsibility of divvying out grace. Instead, we're invited, we're encouraged, we're commanded to give that grace, to give that love freely to all people time and time again. The weight of judgment is off of our shoulders. Condemnation is not ours to give. Mercy is what abounds. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, not too long after Jesus' death and resurrection, we learn how the disciples went about creating a community centered around the teachings and power of Christ. And in one of their very early stories, these very first disciples, they are gathered together 
and the Holy Spirit shows up. The Holy Spirit is said to have descended upon them like a dove. And all of the people around, all these people of different nations, of different languages, of different cultures, they all understand what the disciples are sharing about Jesus. Even though they're all different, the Holy Spirit unites this group of unlikely people and gives them all an understanding of one another. Many of the people there find themselves in awe of the Holy Spirit. They find themselves speechless that this huge power has come and allowed everyone to understand one another. And then there's a group of people there who laugh, who make fun of the disciples, who say, yeah, right, they're all just drunk. They don't know what they're saying. They judge the story of the beginning of the Christian church, this story of the early disciples, a story we remember every Pentecost Sunday, this story of beginnings was met with judgment. Judgment from people who didn't understand what was happening, from people who didn't look inward who didn't get to know people on the other side of the table, from people who didn't allow wiggle room for the Holy Spirit to blow away their expectations and show them something new. Which people are we? Where do we build our foundation? As we end today, I have shared with all of you before the works of Jan Richardson. She is a United Methodist pastor. She's an artist and a writer. She writes a beautiful poem about Pentecost that I'd like to share with you all. Um, and before I share this poem, she wrote this little blurb before it, and I want to share that with you all too. So uh, Jan writes this, a blessing for you for Pentecost Sunday. I am remembering a beloved seminary professor, Dr. Bill Mallard, and here's what I want you all to hear. This professor said that the miracle of Pentecost was not a miracle of speaking, it was a miracle of hearing and understanding. And Jan says, in these days, may we know such a miracle. When we suspend our judgment, when we listen and get to understand others, when we do the hard work on ourselves, that is when the kingdom of God appears on earth. Hear this poem. Jan titles it, Blessing That Undoes Us. On the day when you are wearing your certainty like a cloak and your sureness goes before you like a shield or like a sword, may the sound of God's name spill from your lips as you have never heard it before. May your knowing be undone. May mystery confound your understanding. May the divine rain down in strange syllables, yet with an ancient familiarity, a knowing born in the blood, the ear, the tongue, bringing the clarity that comes, not in stone or in still, but in fire, in flame, May there come one searing word, enough to bear you to the bone, enough to set your heart ablaze, enough to make you whole again. May we be whole people, loving Christ in all that we do. Amen. <laughs>